Welcome to People Who Wrote Books, a podcast about people who wrote books. I'm your host, Andrea, and I am going to tell you the stories of some of my personal favorite authors. So here on the Gulf Coast of Florida, we have this incredible organization called Embracing Our Differences, and they create these large-scale outdoor art exhibits every year. They do this annually, and it's around a theme. This past year, the theme was Embracing Kindness. And these are huge pieces. I can't find the exact dimensions, but the website refers to them as billboard size. Basically, they're really big, bigger than people. And each piece is printed on this big plastic canvas and then placed in an outdoor space, like a park, to make it accessible to everyone. They bring school kids in. It's really cool. Now, for this last exhibit, they had almost 14,000 entries from 119 countries and 45 states. And this is of, these entries are both art and quotes, inspirational quotes. And then 50 art pieces and 50 quotes are selected to be part of this exhibit. So this is a highly selective exhibit, really competitive. And they've been doing this for a while now. This was actually their 20th exhibition. So pretty cool. And this year, one of those pieces was vandalized just one. And this was no easy task because someone or multiple someones had to put a lot of work into cutting this piece out of its frame. And that one piece that was vandalized was by Tampa artist Donna M. Richardson. Her link is in the show notes. And it is called Women of the Bluest Eyes. It is based on Toni Morrison's book, and features images of a young Oprah Winfrey and a young Viola Davis with blue eyes. And that comes from the character of Piccola in the book who dreamed of, it was a young black girl who dreamed of having blue eyes to fit in to the standard of beauty of our community and our society. And um, what Donna, the artist was doing was showing that even these women who we now see as so successful, talk about having that same feeling when they were young. And the artist statement Donna says of the piece, and I quote, to me, embracing our differences must also include embracing and celebrating what makes every individual beautiful, unique, and worthy of love. Now, obviously this vandalism outraged a lot of people, including myself. And so I decided, what what am I going to do with this, this anger? What happened? And I decided I was going to try to figure out what the opposite reaction would be to what the vandals wanted. And so I read Toni Morrison's book, The Bluest Eye. Now, I do recognize that there is a strong possibility that the vandals were not even aware that this piece of art was based on a book. But I still feel, I feel very certain that if they did know it, they still would not want anyone reading the book. So that's what I did. And that is why today's episode is about Toni Morrison. Chloe Ardelia Wofford, and yes, I promise that's our Toni, but for now she is Chloe, was born on February 18th, 1931 in Lorraine, Ohio. Her mother, Rama, was born in Greenville, Alabama, but her family moved to Ohio when she was young. And her father, George, was born in Carterville, Georgia, and moved to Ohio when he was a teenager because he wanted to move to an integrated town 
in hopes of escaping racism of the South. Now, Lorraine, Ohio had a population of just under 45,000 when Chloe was born. So it was a fairly good sized city. And it is way up in the northern part of Ohio along the banks of Lake Erie. And it was a steel town at the time. And that is where her dad worked. Chloe did have an older sister and two younger brothers. And as a child, she read a lot. She listened to folk tales from her parents. And she attributes her love for words to her mother. And when Chloe was 12, she converted to Catholicism. Now, her mother was very involved in the Methodist Episcopal Church, but they did have other family members that were part of the Catholic Church. So I guess 12-year-old Chloe just resonated more with that theology. I don't exactly know why she decided to make this change at 12. There are a bunch of essays out there about it. So if you want to know more, feel free to dive in. But it is important to her story because part of becoming Catholic is selecting your baptismal name, which has to be in honor of a saint. And Chloe chose St. Anthony, which meant that her name became Chloe Anthony Wolford. Now, just in case you're wondering, because I'm sure you are, St. Anthony is the patron saint of the poor, sailors and fishermen, priest travelers, and a protector and guardian of the mail, like M-A-I-L, like the postal service. Well, I guess it wasn't the postal service then, but mail. So I'm not really sure why she selected St. Anthony. Uh, Might have been due to the fact that he was the patron saint of the poor. When I was growing up, he was the one we prayed to when we lost things, which I realize doesn't actually make any sense. He's not the patron saint of lost things. So I don't know why we did that, Um, but we did. And that's definitely also not why she chose this name. But the important part is she did. Anthony became her middle name. Now, Chloe entered Howard University in 1948, and this is when she started using the nickname Tony. So she said it was because people had a difficult time pronouncing Chloe. Now, this is such a common name today that I had to look up the popularity of it and the trends. So I went to my favorite source for name popularity, the Social Security website. And if you didn't know that that was a service on the Social Security site, It is a super fun rabbit hole. You are welcome. So looking at the name Chloe, it didn't even enter the top 100 names until 1998. And then it hit its peak popularity as number nine in 2009 and 10. And then looking back to when Toni Morrison was born in 1931, it was number 889. And when she attended college in the late 40s, early 50s, it didn't even make it into the top 1000 list. So it was not a very popular name when she received it or through her time in college. So I guess that's why she decided to change her name and go by a nickname of her baptismal name. And that's how she became Tony as we know her today. Now, Tony completed a bachelor's in English from Howard in 1953 and then went on to get a master's from Cornell in 1955. And then she taught English at Texas Southern University in Houston for a couple of years before returning to Howard as a professor. And this is when she met Harold Moxie Morrison. Um, Moxie was a Jamaican architect and they got married in 1958. So now you know where the Morrison comes from. They had a son in 1961 named Harold Ford. He goes by Ford. 
And then while she was pregnant with her second son, Slade, in 1964, she and Moxie got a divorce. There really isn't a lot of information out there about this. She doesn't talk about it much, but there is one quote I found from New York Magazine where she says, and I quote, he didn't need me making judgments about him, which I did a lot. Now, at this point, she starts to work at L.W. Singer, which is the textbook division of the publishing house Random House. And then in 1967, she was transferred to Random House in New York City. So she moved her family to New York City. And that is when she became their first black woman senior editor in the fiction department. And this is a really big deal. Tony played a huge part in getting black authors published. If you listen to my episode on Zora Neale Hurston, I mentioned the research article, Just How White is the Book Industry by Richard Johnso and Gus Wazarek. In that research, they found that between 1967 and 1983, that's when Tony was in this role at Random House, that they published 806 books and 27 of those 806 were by black authors. And then after she left, looking at the years between 1984 and 1990, Random House published an additional 512 books, and only two of them were by Black authors, one of which was Tony herself. So it's really clear that Tony did an incredible job of promoting and supporting and getting these books by Black authors published. Now, during her time working a full-time job at Random House, doing this great work, she is still raising two young sons on her own. And this is when she is writing her first novel. So she was getting up early in the morning to have time to write. And her first novel, The Bluest Eye, was published in 1970 by Holt, Reinhardt, and Winston. And I have no idea why it wasn't published by Random House since she was working there. Maybe it was a conflict of interest. I don't really know. But that's what happened in 1970. And she kept writing and working and being a mother of two. In 1973, she published Sula, in 77, Song of Solomon, and Song of Solomon in 77 was the one that brought her national notoriety because it was selected for the Book of the Month Club, and she was the first Black author to have a novel selected since they selected Richard Wright's Native Son in 1940. So that means there were 37 years between these two, 12 months per year. It took 444 months for another novel from a Black author to be selected for Book of the Month. Now, at this point, she is finding success in her writing. So she left publishing in 1983 to devote more time to writing. And then during that time, she's also teaching English again within the State University of New York system. And then in 1987, the first book in her beloved trilogy was published. That was Beloved. The second, Jazz, was published in 1992. And the third, Paradise, was published in 1997. And during all of this writing is when, in 1993, Toni Morrison became the first Black woman to win the Nobel Prize in Literature. So cool and well-deserved. And at this point, today, 2023, she is still the only Black woman to receive that accolade. And I just want to remind you all that this is a global award and 119 of these awards have been given. So you would think that, you know, getting a Nobel Prize in literature would be a huge boost to your book sales. And it was. 
However, the most sales of her books did not come from winning the Nobel Prize because this was the early 90s. So Tony sold the most copies of her books when Oprah featured them on her book club. Uh, the 90s. Now, getting into the late 90s, early 2000s, Tony actually started playing with the written word beyond novels. So she provided text for classical music. She wrote a libretto for an opera. And then she and her son Slade started writing children's books together. How freaking sweet is that? Um, also, just a side note, her son Ford became an architect like his father. Just wanted to add that in there. And then sadly, her son Slade actually passed away in 2010 from pancreatic cancer. Toni Morrison herself passed away on August 5th, 2019 from complications from pneumonia. And in her lifetime, Toni wrote 11 novels, two short fictions, three plays, 13 nonfictions, and co-authored seven children's books with her son Slade. And these are the quantifiable things that we can say about her life. We can put it into numbers, but her impact was so much greater. Now, I think it's fitting to end this episode with a quote from Tony herself from her acceptance speech for her Nobel Prize. And I quote, we die. That may be the meaning of life, but we do language. That may be the measure of our lives. I hope you enjoyed learning a little about Toni Morrison. And remember, behind every great book is a person who wrote it. And this person wrote a book that inspired a piece of art that inspired me to read that book.